Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Ward. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Amen. Someone praise the Lord. Come on, somebody clap unto the Lord. Amen. Good to see everyone in the house of the Lord this afternoon. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise. Can you turn up my mic and the monitors on my mic? Amen. I want to invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8. And uh, Jeremiah's in the Old Testament. It's right after the book of Isaiah. As you turn to Jeremiah, I want to just call your attention that we are passing out brochures to our King, Kingsman Discipleship Home. And I want, on your own time, I encourage you to read it uh, and get to know what it's about. Um, it's just a blessing to be able to see a vision come to pass right before our eyes. And I'm super excited that we already have two ministry interns in the home right now. Uh, and these two brothers, Daniel and David, they've been serving the Lord for a long time. One has a calling, feels a calling to plant a church. He's going to church planting school. Another one is going to uh, drug and alcohol counseling school. And he feels that he's called to help people uh, be set free from that. And part of the goal in this initial phase is to put brothers in there that are solid, that love the Lord, to be like shepherds of the home so that eventually when we build out the program, and get other people. But it's such an exciting thing to see the vision of the Lord come to pass right before our eyes. So make sure you read this brochure. On it has different ways that you may be able to help financially. As you know, our prayer goal is within this year is to raise the down payment. Um, and we're looking for people that are willing to commit to give a certain amount over a span of a year. So read it. If you could help out in that way, uh, let me know. Uh, but also on our resurrection weekend, we're going to give our resurrection offering and where we all of us give a sacrificial offering unto the Lord. I pray that you uh, talk to your if you're married, talk to your husband or, or wife or if you have kids, make it a family affair and bring an offering unto the Lord. That offering is going to go towards the down payment as well. So God is doing big things in our life. Someone say amen. I want to bring back to you today the subject uh, deliverance from insecurity, deliverance from insecurity. And if you're with us for an extended amount of time, you know that regularly I will come back up and teach on this subject uh, because insecurity is one of those enemies that you will face until the day Jesus picks us back up for the kingdom of God. Uh, insecurity is one of those enemies that as long as you are moving forward in the Lord, as long as you are pursuing God's dream and vision for your life, you will have to slay insecurity at every turn of your journey. Uh, you see, my brothers and sisters, we ought to be moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. God did not save you to sit you. Uh, God saved you to anoint you and to give you a dream for your life, whether it's a dream for your ministry, a dream for your education, a dream for your business, a dream for your career, a dream for your family. Each and every one of us are called for something in this world. And as you pursue that calling, you're going to have to learn how to slay insecurity at every level that you get to. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? The old folks used to say, new levels come new devils. Uh, and I want to remind us that with new levels come a new anointing. With new levels come new power. With new levels come a fresh calling from God. And so my role is to equip you to slay the insecurity that's trying to paralyze you today. So let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm going to start off by reading verse 4. 
I want to remind you that Jeremiah is a young adult. Jeremiah is a young adult. And look at verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, look at Jeremiah's response in verse 6. Oh, Lord God. My Bible has an exclamation mark on that. That means he's either yelling or he's highly emotional. He says, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. So notice he immediately pushes back on God. But verse 7, look at, look at God's response. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. I want you to notice that. Do not be afraid of of their faces sidebar the enemy will use intimidation to stop you from fulfilling god's call upon your life when god says do not be afraid of their faces he's identifying the spirit of intimidation intimidation that's going to try to bombard you and stop you from fulfilling god's dream for your life he says, do not be afraid of their faces. Someone say faces. In other words, there are going to be some people that mad dog you. Some of y'all are too young for that statement right there. You're going to have to Google that, right? Anybody remember that statement, mad dog? Like when you go to pursue your dream and pursue God's call upon your life, listen, I'll warn you right now. There are going to be some people that mad dog you because they ain't going to understand the grace of God upon your life. They're not going to understand why you're still around. They're not going to understand why you're doing what God has called you to do. And when you run across some mad dogs, you're going to have to keep on smiling and keep on loving. And you're going to have to keep on walking in the name of Jesus. So just keep on smiling. Keep on loving. Love everybody. Love everybody. You cannot lose by loving everybody. But they're going mad dog. He said, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. How many believe that God still delivers? How many believe that God still delivers? Uh, we still believe that God delivers. Uh, I was at our Whittier campus last night, and our Whittier campus uh, pastor pointed me to an individual. He said, Brian, uh, this guy heard about our church, and he believes he has a demon, and he came to Chapel of Change to be delivered tonight. <laughs> Ain't that amazing? Praise God. Amen. Y'all better be ready. <laughs> Y'all better be ready. Uh, he pointed to this guy. He said, he believed he got a demon. He came to Chapel of Change to get delivered. That was on a Saturday night. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. So I want us to think about Jeremiah's experience with God this afternoon. Jeremiah is a young adult and he gets this calling from God. And immediately Jeremiah tells God, no. Immediately God, Jeremiah begins to bring up a bunch of excuses. Immediately Jeremiah uh, pushes back on God and tells him why he cannot do what God has asked him to do. Has anybody ever answered to God like Jeremiah? Has anybody ever responded to God in such a way where the Lord has called you to do something and you didn't just raise your hand and say, here I am, Lord, send me. You weren't, you weren't like Isaiah. That's what Isaiah said. Here I am, send me. You were more like uh, Jeremiah. God, I can't do that. I'm not qualified to do that. I, I, I got my GED. I ain't got a college education. I'm not qualified. I ain't got the experience for that. I ain't got the support for that. I ain't got people on my side for that. Has anybody ever responded to God with an excuse? And so Jeremiah responds to God because of insecurity. It was insecurity that tried to get Jeremiah to abandon the call of God upon his life. 
insecurity. He felt that he was unqualified. And we see insecurity sticking its head up in verse 6. Let me call your attention to that. He says, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. I want to suggest to you that's insecurity right there. I want to suggest to us that he is saying that he is unqualified to do what God has commanded him to do. Now, as we think about insecurity, I want to remind us about what insecurity is. I want to help us to get some handles on insecurity. Uh, it is the lie that you're not good enough. Insecurity is the lie that you're not good enough. Insecurity is the lie that you're incomplete. It's the lie that you're incomplete. Insecurity is the lie that you don't have what it takes to do what God called you to do. Are you tracking with me? Here's the definition. Insecurity is a lie that you're not good enough. Insecurity is the lie that you don't have what it takes to do what God has called you to do. Insecurity is the lie that you're incomplete. And listen, my brothers and sisters, when one is infected with insecurity, one will always seek the approval of people. When one is infected with insecurity, they will seek the approval of people, the approval of man, and they will put the recognition of man over the recognition of God, and they will do unhealthy things to gain the recognition of their peers and the recognition of people and the affirmation of people. And Jesus warned us about being like this. In John chapter 12, Verse 43, he looked at some religious leaders and he said, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. They loved the human praise. They loved the attention of man more than the attention of God. And Jesus warned us about this. Insecurity is a virus that tries to affect the people of God. And we got to be careful because it's detrimental to our spiritual health. When one is infected with insecurity, one will have sex before marriage. They will have sex before marriage. Why? Because they're seeking the affirmation of someone. They're seeking the attention of someone. When one is infected with insecurity, uh, one will stay in an abusive relationship. You don't know how many people I talk to that are in an abusive relationship and I tell them, you need to come out of that relationship. And the reason why they don't come out is because they don't believe God will take care of them once they're out of it. They don't believe God will provide for them once they're out of it. And so insecurity keeps them bound to an unhealthy, abusive relationship. It's, it's detrimental. Insecurity will have you living out of jealousy. It will have you living out of jealousy. When someone is insecure, they will never celebrate the accomplishments of others. When someone is insecure, they'll never celebrate the blessings of others. And I want to remind us that when you see someone get blessed, you better praise God for that blessing. When you see someone get blessed, you better thank God for that blessing because it is a sign that God is still blessing. And if God blessed you today, maybe he'll bless me tomorrow. I said, if God blessed you today, maybe he'll bless me tomorrow. Insecurity will also lead you into addictive behaviors. Many people are trapped in alcoholism and abusive drugs because deep in the core, it's insecurity. They're trying to get something to make them feel whole. They're trying to get something to try to complete them. So they're reaching out to unhealthy things and they're pulling them close to them to try to make them feel whole. And they're living addictive lifestyles as a result of being infected with the spirit of insecurity. Now, as we think about insecurity, I want to remind us, those that are in Christ Jesus, those that are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to remind ourselves that apart from Jesus, we are not complete. Apart from Jesus, we are not complete. Apart from Jesus, we are not made whole. Apart from Jesus, we're not good enough. We need to acknowledge that. Apart from Jesus, we do not have what it takes but in jesus and because of what jesus did on the cross we are good enough see the moment 
that we repent from our sins and call out to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus sanctifies us. The power of the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. And at that very moment, we become good enough, not because of our own strength, but because of the work of Jesus on Calvary. God sees Jesus, not us. So in Jesus, we are whole. In Jesus, we do have what it takes. In Jesus, we are complete. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 teaches you are complete in Jesus. You are complete. You need to get this revelation because you're going to reach for things of the world. As long as you don't believe that you're complete, you're going to reach for a relationship. You're going to reach for a raise. You're going to reach for an opportunity in an unhealthy way to try to complete you. While all along, you are complete in Jesus' name. And so Jeremiah, like all of us, had to wrestle with this insecurity. He had to wrestle with this insecurity. And I want you to notice that God had to give Jeremiah a new identity to overcome his insecurity. This is very important. The way that God helped Jeremiah to overcome his insecurity is that he had to give him a new identity. It is our new identity in Christ. It is our kingdom identity that helps us to overcome the spirit of insecurity. So, so to form Jeremiah's new identity, God made direct declarations, declarations over Jeremiah. He made declarations. And I want to call your attention to verse 5. Listen to what God says to Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So notice, God is declaring things over Jeremiah to form his new identity. He says, I formed you. I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. Did you catch that? This is how God helped Jeremiah slay the spirit of insecurity. He declares over him his new identity. I formed you. I, I knew you. I sanctified you. I, I, I ordained you. And each one of those declarations are powerful in and of itself. But I want you to notice you have to form your new identity over what God says about you. By what God says about you. Our new identity is who we are in Christ Jesus and what God says about us. I'm going to say that again. Our new kingdom identity comes from who we are in Christ Jesus and what God says about us. Those are the declarations right there. I, I formed you. I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. I'm forming your new identity so you could rise up and slay the spirit of insecurity. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Now, now I want to note that the declarations that God say over Jeremiah are not just for Jeremiah. I want to note that these declarations, I formed you, I know you, I sanctified you, I ordained you, they are consistent with the overall declarations that God gives over every born-again Christian's life. Every one of these declarations are the same thing over and over and over that the revelation of the scripture speak into your life. So God doesn't just say it to Jeremiah, but he says it to everybody in this room under the blood of Jesus. I formed you. I knew you. I sanctified you and I ordained you. You got to receive that. You got to let that hit your spirit. You got to let that hit your mind. You got to let it, let it renew you because we access the power and the privilege of the kingdom of God through our new identity. That's how we access the power and the privilege. That's how, that's how we're able to walk with confidence and boldness even though we know before Jesus we messed up. Even though we know before Jesus we lived a sinful life. How are you able to walk today with boldness and confidence? It's because I have a new identity in Christ Jesus and it's through the identity where I access my power and my privilege and my favor to walk in this world with my head up high even though I did what I did before Jesus. Someone shout amen. So, 
So this afternoon, my brothers and sisters, I want us to look on how God unpacks uh, this statement to Jeremiah. Uh, how God helps Jeremiah overcome insecurity. And I'm, today, I'm just going to deal with one word. I'm going to keep it very simple as possible. And I, and I hope one or two of you get this revelation because it will transform your life. It will transform the way you look at yourself. If you're struggling with low self-esteem and insecurity, it will deliver you. So I just want to bring out one word, and it is in verse 5, where God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. That word knew, I want to deal with this afternoon. Now, when you read your Bible, over and over again, from the Old Testament to Jesus Christ himself, you will learn that God tells his people over and over again, I know you, I know you, I know you, I know you. All the way to Jesus, he says, those that hear my voice, I know them. Those that obey me, I know them. Those that I have called, I know them. Jesus over and over says to the people who are, who are called by him, he says, I know them. Now, I want us to think, what does that mean? What is the implications of that? Because God says it over and over and over again. Now, for us in our culture, that word know only means that you have knowledge of somebody. Like when you hear that word know and I say I know that person, the only thing that comes to our mind is, oh, he has knowledge of that individual. He, he has knowledge. He's aware of that individual. But in the Hebrew culture, in the days that the Bible was written, the word know meant more than just have a knowledge of. The word knew or know, K-N-E-W, K-N-O-W, speaks of divine approval. Divine approval. I'm going to say it again. Divine approval. And let me unpack this. Carry along. Uh, follow along with me. This word knew in the Hebrew, uh, it carries the idea of special love and affection. Special love and affection. It's more than just a knowledge of somebody, but it's also an approval of somebody. It's more than just a knowledge of somebody, but it's also an approval of somebody. So when God told Jeremiah, I knew you, he was also saying, I approve of you. I approve of you. Of you. Why is he saying that? Because he knew Jeremiah was going to come up with an excuse. God, I'm too young to do what you call me to do. I approve of you. God, I'm not qualified to do what you asked me to do. I approve of you. God, I don't have the experience to follow you. I approve of you. Before you set out to follow me, you need to know that I approve of your life. I approve of your existence. I don't just know you. I approve of you. So I approve of you, Jeremiah. I approve of you stepping forward in my plan. But you don't understand, God. I got a GED. I don't have education. I approve of you. But you don't understand. I had a divorce in my life. I can't uh, preach the gospel. I approve of you. But you don't understand. I was a drug addict, and I, and I, and I wasted a lot of years. I approve of you. But you don't understand. You don't understand. I approve of you, says the Lord. The word knew or know speaks of divine approval. And we see God dealing with mankind over and over again with these words. You remember Moses? Think of Moses for a second. Remember that brother? He had an anger management problem. Remember, he had an emotional problem. He tried to take the plan of God into his own hands. Remember, he, instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock because that brother was emotionally unstable, had anger management problems. And yet, one of the first things that God tells Moses in Exodus 33, verse 12, he says, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Notice what he says. With the anger management problem, with the emotional instability, he says, I know you by name and you have found favor in my sight. Notice the connection between knowing and grace. 
Notice the connection between knowing and favor. Knowing is just not knowledge of you, but knowing is approval of your life, celebration of the rest of your years. So if God knows you, it means he approves of you. So when I say I am known by God, I'm saying God has approved me. I'm saying God has received me. I'm saying God has accepted me. I'm saying God has anointed me to be here. I'm, when I say I'm known by God, I'm saying God has called me to be in this room. God has appointed me to be in this room. When I say I'm known by God, I'm saying God has accepted me. And the Bible revelation is consistent with this. In Ephesians 1, 6, it says to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. Everybody say accepted. Accepted in the beloved. That means I'm no longer an orphan running around aimlessly. That means I'm not just a broken, uh, busted individual. No, I've been accepted by God. I've been accepted into the kingdom of God and the royal family. I no longer need to seek man's approval. I no longer need to seek the recognition of people. I no longer need to seek a pat on my back by individuals. No, I already got it from God. I am known by God. Now I want to drill, I want to drill deeper into this revelation, okay? Um, known by God speaks of being approved by God for the opportunity before you. For the opportunity before you. Now remember, Jeremiah was getting an opportunity to serve God. God was giving him an opportunity to be a prophet. He was giving him an opportunity to be a leader. He was giving him an opportunity to impact the world with the gospel. And he began to wrestle with this insecurity. But God had to remind him, I approve you for the opportunity I am giving you. I approve you for the opportunity I am giving you. Someone needs to hear that in your spirit. I approve you for the opportunity I am giving you. Now, this is important because insecurity stems from the fear people will find out your weaknesses. Insecurity stems from the fear that people will find out your past sin. Insecurity stems from the fear that people will get to know what you did in the past. Insecurity stems from the fear that people will find out what you did before. So you become afraid of the spotlight that the opportunity is going to shine on your life. And instead of seizing that opportunity, you recoil in doubt. You recoil in fear because you don't want nobody to know what you used to do or what you used to be like. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? That's a spirit of insecurity. It stems from not from being afraid of people finding out of what you used to be like. And so you don't you don't want to you don't want to bring people close to you because they might find out you're BC before Christ. Before Christ. And this is why the apostle Peter, before he was an apostle, when Jesus was walking up to Peter about ready to call him into apostleship, when Jesus was about to ready to call him out of his brokenness and call him out of his rejection, when Jesus was about to call him to impact the world, as Jesus got closer and closer to Peter, insecurity stuck its head out in Peter's head. And in Luke 5, 8, listen to what he says. He says, away from me, I'm a sinful man. Look at that. That's Peter. He's about to be called into apostleship. He's about to be called to impact the world. And insecurity steps up and said, no, get away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. He was afraid that people were going to find out that he had skeletons in his past life. But what he didn't realize, that Jesus approved of him before Jesus even called him. He didn't realize that the calling of God equates the approval of God. If you sense the calling, then you got the approval. Because God wouldn't call you if he did not approve you. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? And so, and so the radical thing about grace that I want to remind you about. And I've said this before, but some of y'all have selective hearing. And you're in a different place in life than you were six months ago. So I got to constantly remind you of these biblical revelations. The, the radical thing about grace is that you are fully known, yet you are fully loved. This is the gospel. 
This is what separates Christianity from every other religious belief system is that God fully knows you, yet he fully loves you, yet he fully blesses you, yet he fully has mercy on you. And we see this. We see this example with that sister known as the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Does anybody remember the woman at the well? Uh, that sister was no joke. Uh, that sister was, was a leader, yet she was sinful. She was a leader, yet her life was broken. And she comes to the well where Jesus is at, and she has an encounter with Jesus. And all of a sudden, she gets religious and starts talking about the Bible, which is fascinating in itself. And in her encounter with Jesus, he begins to reveal to her her sin. He begins to point out to her her sin and says, listen, girl, you're correct. You ain't got no husbands. You've had five Sanchos, and the one that you're with now is not your husband at all. And yet Jesus had mercy on her. Jesus affirmed her. Jesus gave her the revelation about there's going to be rivers of living, of living water that come out of our soul. And she was so transformed that she ran to her city and she told everybody about Jesus. And on top of that, she brings everybody back to the foot of Jesus. She was so transformed. She was so, so on fire. And I want to suggest to you this, this afternoon that she wasn't on fire for Jesus just because he knew everything about her. That wasn't the reason. He was on, she was on fire for Jesus because he knew everything about her and still yet still loved her, yet still had mercy on her, yet still was able to forgive her. And she was like, wow, I finally found a man who knows my weaknesses, yet still loves me for who I am and willing to transform me. And she gets set on fire. That's the radical thing of grace and mercy. Now, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I want to remind you. Grace does not give you the permission to keep on sinning. I want to remind you that grace does not give you the permission to keep living a disobedient lifestyle. God is not mocked. People will reap what they sow. But grace should inspire you to live a holy lifestyle. Grace should inspire you to pursue God with all your life. When you think of the goodness of God upon your life, you ought to want to praise his name. You ought to want to worship him and serve him because he's been good to you and you didn't even deserve it. Didn't even deserve it. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. That ought to inspire us to worship God. If it had not been for the grace of God, we would have been swallowed up. So God approves of you. He celebrates you. And I want to I give you a radical revelation of your position in Christ Jesus. In fact, I'm going to give you two radical revelations of your position in Christ Jesus. The first thing I want to remind you about is that God sings over your life. I want you to get the visual that before you even get out of your bed in the morning and brush your teeth, that God is singing over your life. That everywhere you go, you go to that college, you go to that business, you go to that work, God is singing over your life. I want, to get, I want you to get this radical revelation of your position in Christ Jesus, that God is not mad at you, but he is singing over your life. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 17, let me remind you of this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take Great, get this, delight. Someone say delight. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with what? With what? With singing. I want you to get this revelation. It will tra transform the way you see yourself. Every morning you wake up before you even get out the bed and brush your teeth. God is looking over your life, and he's singing over your life. He's singing. When you go to work, he's singing over your life. When you go to school, he's singing over your life. When you walk down the street, now you can walk with a, with, with a rhythm because you know God is singing over your life. The second revelation that I want to give you of your position in Christ Jesus. Now I'm talking about those that are in Christ Jesus. 
God is applauding your life. God is applauding your life. Follow along with me. Listen, if we can be honest, all our lives we have been seeking the approval of people. All our lives, since we're little kids, it starts off by seeking the approval of our parents or seeking the approval of our older brothers or our older sisters. And then it moves into seeking the approval of our friends. And then it moves into seeking the approval of our bosses. And then it moves into seeking the approval of our spouses. All our lives, we have been seeking the approval of people. All our lives, let's be honest, some of us have used relationships to get approval from people. We have used relationships to get approval of people. All our lives, we have worked hard to have people look at us with approval. All our lives. If we can be honest. But I want to remind those that are in Christ Jesus, we do not live for the applause of God, but we live from the applause of God. And I want to remind you that God is applauding your life. Now let me show you this in Romans chapter 2, verse 29. Listen to what it says. It says, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit. Not by the written code. Such a person's praise. Someone say praise. praise. That word praise means applause. That word praise means applause. Get this. You need to get this. Such a person's applause is not from other people, but from God. It's from God. You know what that means? That in Christ Jesus, God looks at us and he applauds. You know what an applause is? Do you know what applause is? Do you know what applause is? He claps. He claps. He applauses your life. Before you get out of your bed and brush your teeth, God is applauding your life. Before you get out of your bed and spray that aquanet in your hair, God is applauding your life. Do you know what an applause is? Do you hear the sound of heaven over your life? Do you live listening to the sound of heaven? Or are you listening to the world? Or are you listening to Satan? Or are you listening to your friends? I encourage you, listen, turn down the sound of the world and turn up the sound of heaven, which is an applause. It's an applause. Someone start to applause right now. Someone start to applause right now. Someone start to applaud. That's the sound of heaven. Come on, keep it up right now. Keep it up right now. That's the sound of heaven over your life right now. Every moment you woke up, every morning you wake up. That's the sound. Every, every place you go, that's the sound. Every circle you step into, that's the sound. Every relationship you enter into, that's the sound. Every room you enter into, listen, you better make sure before you step into that room and try to get the applause of man that you recognize and realize you already have the applause of God. Every room you step into, listen, this is very important. This is important because everybody here is called. Everybody here is called. God has given everybody here a dream or a vision for your life, maybe your education, maybe your business, maybe your family, maybe your marriage. God has given everybody a dream, and God has not called you to sit. He did not save you to sit. He saved you to anoint you, to empower you, to move, and to be sent to fulfill that dream that God has placed upon your heart. And as you go to fulfill that dream in your life, you're going to enter into some circles that are going to look intimidating. You're going to enter into some rooms that are going to look intimidating. And if you don't hear the sound of heaven, you're going to look for the sound of the world. If you don't look for the sound of the father, you're going to look for the sound of that girl or the sound of that guy. And you're going to be in a desperate situation because you did not turn your ear to heaven. God has called everybody. And as you pursue that, 
There's going to be intimidating circles you're going to have to walk in. And the only thing that is going to anchor you in that success, anchor you in that fruitfulness, is knowing that God already applauded your life the moment you woke up that day. Listen, I, I, I'm living this out right now. I'm working this out right now. This ain't something I'm just talking about in theory. I, I'm, I'm working this out right now. Like, like God is doing so many special things at Chapel of Change. He's, he's calling us to different levels. He's, he's calling us to different rooms that on the surface, it's intimidating from somebody who got a GED. On the surface, it's intimidating for someone who did 16 years in prison. On the surface, it's intimidating for someone who did not go to seminary school. And we're getting called into circles and into rooms on the surface with, 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 with on the surface it looks intimidating this just last week um brother art and i he he works in the media department he does a lot of things in the church uh we got invited to speak at the largest church planting conference in the nation uh there yeah praise the lord there was about five to 6,000 leaders there, not just congregants, but leaders there. There were international leaders there, national leaders there, movement leaders there. There was people from South Africa, people from Canada, and here we show up from Long Beach, Paramount, Carson, and wherever, Harbor City. And, and, and on top of that, Brother Art ain't never flew in a plane before. And when we hit that turbulence, I know he's saved now. So we show up at this gigantic church. I mean, this church is gigantic. And me and Brother Art, who ain't never flown in a plane before, probably never been to Orlando before, we walk up to the check-in thing, and as I, as I get into the check-in line, someone tells me, um, they, they, they tell me, basically, they say, oh, uh, you're a speaker? You don't sign up here. You don't, you don't sign up here. You, you go to the back. You go to the back. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't go with everybody else. You go where the speakers are, the international leaders are. There's, there's a room especially for you. So I, 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 heard, I try to get my name tag because I don't want to go to jail. And I put the name tag on, and me and Art, and we're walking. They say, you got to go around the corner. And we're walking. And secretly, I didn't tell Art this, but I'm saying, brother, I hope you act right up in this room right here. <laughs> and... And we walk, we walk into the room, and there's this precious, there's this precious elderly lady who is checking everybody in, but I get the sense that she feels like she's a bouncer at a nightclub. <laughs> and so she's like, she didn't say this, but I get the sense that she's like, well, who are you? I'm like, I'm Brian. Are, are, you on, are you on the list? I said, this is where they told me to go. And are you on the list? And I got a little resistance. I was like, well, I'm here. And she goes, um, well, let me check the list. And so she's checking the list. And I'm not in my mind, I'm thinking, I hope I'm on the list because this is going to be embarrassing right here. <laughs> I'm looking and all the leaders are in the background. Everybody's walking around. I hear this tall, skinny guy with Brother Art with all tattoos on the side of him. <laughs> And this, this old, precious bouncer. Are you guys on the list? You got to make sure you're, you're approved. Got to make sure you're approved. Got to make sure you're approved. So she goes down the list. She flips the paper. My last name starts with a W, so I'm always last. She goes down the list. And, and I'm like, I'm hoping I'm on the list. I'm hoping I'm on the list. It's going to be embarrassing right here. People are looking at me. And, and uh, she goes, oh. Your name Brian? Yeah, Brian. Your name Worth? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you're on the list. Right? You're on the list. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not yet. I'm not done yet. You're on the list. And then, and then she turns and says, What about that guy? And I'm like, I'm like, uh, uh, I said, God gave me a word, right? I said, that's my security right there. And she said, oh, okay, let him in then, amen? Let him in. We walked into that room, and I told Art, I said, let's just act like we know what we're doing in the name of Jesus, because we're approved by God. We're called by God. God is clapping over our life. 
He's applauding us long before we ever got into that room. God was applauding us long before we got into that room. And I want you to catch this revelation of you that are in Christ Jesus every morning you wake up. I want to invite us to bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple of moments as the worship team comes back up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. In an atmosphere of meditation and prayer, this is an important part of our time together. I would ask everybody to remain seated in an atmosphere of reverence unto the Lord. And I want us to think about what God was saying to us. Think about what God was saying to us. What was God saying to you? Hallelujah, Lord. What was God trying to get across to you? everybody if you just lift up your head and look at me for a second I'm going to do something that the Lord put upon my heart this morning this is something that God gave me a couple hours ago and I want to I want to just be obedient to the Lord if I point you out if I point you out don't worry I'm not going to ask you to say nothing I'm not going to ask you to say nothing But if I point you out, I want to invite you to the altar to just stand. Just stand. Just stand at the altar. Just stand at the altar. Just stand. And I'm not going to be able to point out everybody, but there's going to be opportunity for everybody. But I want you to stand at the altar. Pastor Renee, if you could just stand at the altar. My two sisters, if you could just stand at the altar. My sister, if you could just stand at the altar. My brother, if you could just stand at the altar, just stand, stand at the altar right here. Both of you just stand at the altar right here. Esperanza, if you could stand at the altar, amen. Hallelujah. All three of you, if you could just stand at the altar, amen. Kenny, Kenny, if you could stand at the altar. My sister Jill, if you could stand at the altar. Nacho, if you could stand at the altar. My sister, if you could stand at the altar, just stand at the altar. My brother, if you could stand at the altar, amen. My brother, if you could stand at the altar. I want to just do something the Lord instructed me to do. What I'm going to ask you to do, I'm not going to ask you to say nothing. But what I'm going to ask you to do is prepare. Prepare. Yes, yes. We need you down here. Yes. Right there. No, stay right there. Stay right there. Give me your hand. Amen. You got to press in sometimes, my brother. You got to press in sometimes. Yes. God has invited you here, my brother. God has invited you. You look sharp. That suit looks sharp. What I'm going to do is I want you to prepare to open your spiritual ears, spiritual ears, spiritual ears. I want you to prepare. Take a moment, however you want to do that, however you want to do that, take a moment to to open your spiritual ears. Because in your spirit, I want you to, you're going to record something in your spirit. You're going to record something in your spirit. So just take a moment, however you want to, you know, do that to prepare, to open your spiritual ears. And I'm going to ask the audience, it's going to take your participation here. On a count of three, I want the audience to start clapping real loud, real loud.
as loud as you can. I want you to extend it. Don't just do it for one second. I want you to extend it. I want you to clap real loud. What the Lord is doing right now is giving each and every one of you a physical illustration of what he does every morning before you get out of your bed and before you brush your teeth. There is a sound from heaven. There's an applause from heaven over your life. There's an applause from heaven over your life. So get your spiritual ears ready. Get your spiritual ears ready. I want you to record this in your spirit because God has a calling upon each and every one of your life. And where God is calling you, there's going to be places of intimidation. There's going to be places of insecurity. And you're going to need to play the recording back. You're going to need to hear the sound of heaven applauding your life in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So get your spiritual ears ready on the count of three audience real loud. And drummer, I'm going to ask that you just help me out with that sound too. Just go wild. Just go wild. On the count of three audience. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Come on. Louder. 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 Receive it. Receive it. Record it. Record it. Come on. Louder. 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 Come on. Record it. 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 Come on. Louder. 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 Come on. Hit them drums. Hit them drums. Hit them drums. Come on. This is the sound of heaven over your life. This is the sound of heaven over your life. Come on. Little more. Little more. Little more. Record it. Record it. Hallelujah. 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 When we get called into them rooms or them circles or them places, the enemy's going to try to whisper in our ear about our past. And you're going to need to learn. You need to learn how to turn the voice of the world, the sound of the world down and to turn this applause up. David, David, come up here. David, David, come up here, David. David, come up here, David. Come on up here, David. This is for you too. Come on, David. Come on. It's my brother David right here. It's my brother David. My brother David, right here. David been through a lot in life. Powerful testimony. Powerful testimony. David has persevered. He's persevered in life. Persevered. And I want him to feel the approval of God. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're able, if you could stand to your feet. David is deaf. So I'm going to ask that you do something. Not only do you clap, I'm going to ask that you stomp your feet. And I want him to feel the heaven shake over his life. I want him to feel the heaven shake over his life. Can we do that together? I want him to feel the heaven shake over his life. And then I'm going to pray over everybody. On the count of three, not just clap, but I want you to pound your feet into the ground. I want him to feel the approval of heaven upon his life, the mercy of God upon his life, the grace of God upon his life. On the count of three, one, two, three, come on. Come on. That's the approval. That's the approval. That's the approval of God. That's the mercy of God. That's the mercy of God. Father, we thank you that in Christ Jesus we're accepted. 
We thank you that in Christ Jesus, we are approved. Help us to see us how you see us. Help us to walk in our new identity, Lord God. Help us, oh Father God, to walk in our kingdom identity. I pray for everybody in this house, Lord. Give them a revelation that they are known by God. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, Amen. Come on, make it clear. You may be seated. You may be seated. Come on, somebody applaud. I want you to hear it. Hallelujah. Pastor Martin. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. God is doing some great and mighty things in this house. As we prepare to transition to our worshiping the Lord and our giving, I have uh, some scriptures that I want to give you because it's always important to recognize the people in the Word of God or in the Bible that have sacrificially given to God. And this is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 16 and 17. And this is David speaking. He says, O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand. Catch that. Everything that the people of God had prepared to give to God, God prepared it for them to sacrifice to him. That's a blessing. And listen to what it says in verse 17. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly, I'll say it again, willingly, willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here in Paramount, California, ready and willing to offer to you, God, what rightfully belongs to you. Give the Lord some praise. Amen. I have a few announcements as the ushers make their way forward. We have uh, abilities to give. As you can see on the screen, we can text. We can also scan the QR code. We can give to chapelofchange.org or we can uh, mail it in as well. There are options for us to be able to give. Amen. This uh, on the 15th, which is this coming Wednesday, we have our boiler room prayer in the city of Carson at 715. So I would like to personally invite all of you to come and join us. Let's pray together. Let's worship together. Let's see what God is going to do in this next season of our lives. Amen. We have Easter Sunday also as well. We're going to be giving out door hangers. Uh, a lot of people say door hangers, but it's going to be on the 25th. What I like to say is invitations to come to the house of God. Take some with you as you leave today. Give it to your family. Invite them to come out for Easter Sunday as well. We have our Women's Abide gathering on the 25th. Let's hear it for the women. Come on, praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, we can do better than that. Amen. God is good. Amen. And make sure that you pray. You, your wife, your family, like Pastor Brian said, have a meeting in your living room. Prepare your hearts to give for the Easter offering that is coming up. Prepare your hearts and be willing to give to God what he's already prepared for you to give back to him. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, God, over our lives. And that you give to us before we can even willingly give to you. Thank you for your provisions in our homes, in our lives, in our family, and in this house. Heavenly Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Come on, ushers, you are released.
feet. I want to invite our pastors and leaders to the altar. Uh, if you need extra prayer, after we dismiss, you're invited to come to the altar and one of our leaders and pastors uh, will pray for you. I really want to encourage you to join us Wednesday night at our Carson campus for prayer and worship. It's going to be a powerful night. Uh, but we also have midweek here on Thursday night at our Paramount location at 715. Don't forget to get one of the flyers and pass them out. Let's lift up our hands unto the Lord and we'll dismiss with a blessing. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you can live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with power from God, may you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you next Sunday. Go in peace.